After 20 plus years of clinical practice and business coaching, after thousands of hours spent on doctoral research and interviews, Dr. Elizabeth Joy has concluded there are massive misconceptions about the world's elite. It's time to disrupt the archaic thinking surrounding professionalism and success, providing leaders with safe space to unpack the wins and woes. Now, let's join Dr. Joy for Disruptive Discourse. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Disruptive Discourse. Today, we are hearing from Alexis. Let me tell y'all why. I'm so excited about this interview. I met Alexis, she was a participant in an emerging leaders program that I'm an instructor for, uh, for up and coming women of color. And when I tell y'all, she broke down, and this, is this a thing? I feel like people cry when they're talking to me. <laughs> people be having epiphanies, right? I go hard, I talk about this truth. This is why even this, 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 uh, podcast is named Disruptive Discourse, right? Because I live a disruptive life. And so why do I do that? Because I want to see people disrupt in a way where something new happens in them. And when I met uh, Alexis, that's exactly what happened. And uh, hopefully she'll share today what unfolded there. But what I've seen since then is, is something that's just so inspiring. Perhaps she reminds me of a younger version of myself. But when I tell you this girl is all in on all of the development to the point sometimes I have to say, now girl, listen, it's one step at a time. You know, but you know, I think about um, everybody wants to have something more, right? We wanna be healthier, we wanna be sexier, we wanna be, uh, have more money. We wanna have it all, right? But do we wanna do what it takes, right? And so I love the way Alexis just leans in and does the work. And for that reason, you should stick around and see what she has to share. Let's see. Disruptive discourse is all about disrupting archaic definitions of professionalism and success. So as we kick it off, I just want to hear from you to say, what does that mean for you? Disrupting archaic definitions of professionalism and success. Thank you, Joy. So happy to be here. Um, I thought about this question and how it relates to me personally. And very early on, I've only been in my career less than five years. And very early on in my career, I kind of made an internal note that I am not going to retire working at nine to five. I'm not going to go to retirement 65 just saving up at the 401k, trying to meet mm-hmm. that target date and work, work, work until I'm 65. And I can just say, all right, I'm going to sit on the porch with my grandkids and do nothing else for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, I also made the decision that I'm likely not going to stay with the employer that I'm starting with for the gamut of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, ex- I will explore, look around, move around as best I can. I think that, theme is becoming more common with, with younger generations. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I just, I look around and there are older people in my organization, you know, much respect to them, but they've been with our company 20 plus years. And I just never saw myself as that type of career person. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's interesting. I, I always laugh uh, when I'm talking with Lane, who is in your age group and you know we have our generational conversations about you know the millennial 
generation being the disruptors, but I always remind her it is Gen, Gen X, who is what I would call the forgotten generation, which I belong to. We started this. No, just kidding. But no, really, um, it's funny as you, you, you know, different people have different thoughts about what the current definitions of success and professionalism mean, as well as what disruption means. And so as I listen to you talk about the whole expectation or old school perspective of staying in the same role for EVs, and, you know, ret- going to said age, I recall in my young uh, career that I was maybe averaging, I don't know, probably two, between one and two and a half years in roles. And the the way in which I was perceived, even by my mom, who was like my greatest fan and cheerleader, you know, it was like... She never called me unstable out loud, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that 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 was a thought that she had, right? Because it was okay, you keep switching jobs. And and I'll be honest, even for myself, there were times when I felt a little wanderish because not only was I changing jobs, but I have a background in multiple different industries as well, right? And so there were times where I felt like um, I was wandering and I also, you know, felt almost shame to where when I was trying to lay out my resume, I ended up having like, it felt like 30 versions of it, right? Because it's like, what do I want to share? And then what do I need to like minimize or maximize here so that they don't think I'm unstable because I changed jobs. So I just flashed to that when uh, you mentioned this idea of exploring. And so curious for you, as you speak to that, do you feel, is there inside of you a little bit of a wrestling of feeling? It sounds like you're, you've boldly decided it, but you're also very aware that there are some expectations out here. So just curious, do you maneuver different um, views about. Yes, here recently. Um, For a while, it took time to get rid of that fear because it's been so trained and ingrained in me that don't jump ship, right? Like do what's safe, have your job, make sure you got a paycheck coming in. Jumping ship may cause you to not be able to provide for yourself and your family. So there was a big fear there of even exploring. So recently I've, from one place or another, I found a way to get past that fear. And I started to, even if it was just experimental, not with the expectation that I was going to actually actually leave, but that I was really, really looking for something new, um, just staying fresh in that if I ever needed to, if I ever wanted to, I had that skill ready from a resume perspective, from an interviewing perspective, and then just seeing what's out there, being curious enough to go in and search and see what's out there. So I've started to dabble in just looking around, doing interviews again, even if it, even if the expectation isn't that I'm going to move on to a new career and a new role, um, just being comfortable and exploring because I think that there was, I feel like I was doing something wrong a little bit to my company that I work with um, that speaking to someone else, it was kind of disloyal. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I've been with the company 
roughly five years and I've seen layoffs. It ain't no loyalty there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's a business decision. They do what they got to do, and they're very, you know, crisp about it when they deliver it. Hey, we had to let people go because of financial decisions. Well, you know, maybe me too. And, you know, maybe it's not financial, <laughs> but just personal. And there's nothing, they didn't say anything wrong with it, so I shouldn't either. So right. I have recently started to just tiptoe into different areas and just see what different things are like. So. Now I'm curious, and, and if you don't mind sharing, how how young old are you? <laughs> Twenty six. Okay, so curious because I'm slightly older than you, and again, this is a conversation companies are having all the time. What are your thoughts on that? Just that you know, there's the, on one hand, you you you. It sounds like one of the measures that you have in your mind about being a good employee is loyalty, right? But then you're very aware that that that's not that's a one-way street. So to me that very much aligns with this whole idea of archaic definitions of success and professionalism. What are your thoughts on just that there is this this ongoing expectation about what it means to be professional? And how there's some it's almost like a conflict or a uh, double standard, whatever you might want to call it there. You know, I think when employers sometimes in large corporations, I think when they think loyalty and professionalism, that means no boundaries. Like you're loyal mm. to me throughout every aspect of your life. Like to for me, when it comes to loyalty to my employer, it's coming in and doing decent work. And I use decent very deliberately because it's not giving my all 100% every single day, Monday through Friday, because like that, I, that's that's not even responsible. <laughs> like, I mean, you come in, you work eight, sometimes nine hours a day, and you spend most of your day at work. You spend about this much time at home, and then most of your day is actually spent at work. And so to think that even if I was an entrepreneur or didn't, or a housewife or whatever, to think that I'm going hard all day, almost every day in any place of my life is just irresponsible to my self-care <laughs> and right. my personal well-being. So coming in and doing decent work, getting tasks done in a, um, in a responsible amount of time, staying on top of things and trying to find ways to advance my seat is about as loyal as I need to get to my employer. <laughs> as long as I'm not coming in, slacking off. And when I say slacking off, I mean like not meeting deadlines, realistic deadlines, not mm -hmm. meeting realistic deadlines, um, not taking my job seriously, not choosing to learn about the space that I'm in so that I can advance the space that I'm in before I leave it. I think that's irresponsible, but that's about as loyal as I need to get giving you my all every single day to the point where I have nothing to give when I get home Monday through Friday. And then y'all, and then some people like go hard on the weekend and I'm like, y'all are really tripping. So <laughs> I think, when I think loyalty, that's about as far as I need to get with my employer. I think when, when larger corporations think loyalty, they just take all the boundaries off. You need to be loyal to me when you get here, even when you get home, if I email you sometimes on the weekend in your time, uh, don't talk to anybody else about what we're doing because they might think that's cool and might want to poach you for another job. You know, just we're here. You, this, mm -hmm. this, it's like kind of culty. It's kind of scary, but <laughs> I, 
I definitely pushed away from that very early on, even setting boundaries with how long I'm at work. Like it's for, if I've been here eight hours and whatever I got going on can wait until tomorrow, I'm going home. Like the ship will keep running. Um, (laughs) I'd employers take all the boundaries off of your life because they hear that word, you know, loyalty to your employer. And I think they get a little, there's a little bit of a God complex there because yes, the money that they pay you provides for your lifestyle. It provides Mm -hmm. for everything that you have outside of, sometimes it provides for what you have outside of work. So they get this like God complex that you owe them your life because they're funding your life. Mm, Girl. We're going to have to put this clip out there just as a training video because the interesting <laughs> thing, and I, we got to, I'm, I'm over here wanting to go on whole tangents, but I have to at least say one piece. You know, it's interesting as you describe all of this, because then companies in today's world are so confused as to why folks are leaving um, and why folks are burnt out and, you know, folks are just empty, right? And why folks well-being, mental, physical, spiritual is is suffering. And I think you just described, and I get it, right, for a corporation, because as a business owner, I can tell you I've had quite the rotating door in, in many scenarios where, you know, you hire folks and we all have different definitions of what it means to get stuff done when you, I know why you say the word decent, because I know you well enough to know that you're a super hard worker. But I'm sure um, many leaders would cringe at the word decent because for there's let's just be real. There's a lot of folks out here who decent would be like their decent would be like your your bad day. Right. And so we really don't want to see their decent. But I think that's part I think that's part of the whole issue here when we talk about disrupting archaic definitions of professionalism and what that means for a corporation. It also means that you have to start understanding everybody's not the same. And and I, again, I'm, I do consulting, so I know I've seen under the hood of many organizations that you can't do every, it's not scalable to treat every employee differently, but you do have to know that there's at least some groupings of folks, right? And so we're talking to this group, what does this mean versus that group? What does hard work or what does consistency or loyalty mean? You know, there's variations there. So I appreciate that from you and hopefully that will be helpful for viewers, both leaders who are making very important decisions about how they lead their organizations and for uh, employees to be thinking about what does it mean to be loyal. And I will add too, when it comes to gender and racial ethnic realities, there are certain conditioning components that lead and contribute to these, right? So as women, we are raised to be submissive, to follow directions, to not be disruptive. And um, I think so many times for ladies, um, we end up burnt out very fast because we are trying to do and be what we were raised at, at being taught, you know, about what it means to be a good employee, a good woman. And the way we were conditioned about what it means to be professional is not the same as men, it's just the truth of the matter. So, you know, I love to hear you showing up disruptively and and I'm happy for your generation that you're starting off this way. Whereas for mine, it's been like the tale of two halves almost like 
we did it this long for 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 many the this generation did it a certain way and and some of them are still tiptoeing around it just is is foreign to think of boundaries what boundaries what is <laughs> what are boundaries you you come to work you do what you got to do right you're here for the company so i just love that so let's shift over for a minute because we're really all about um having guests that are committed to personal and professional development and as i've told you you know i met you and i'm like okay she's got the it factor i'm here for her i'm here for it um and what the primary component that you show up with that lets me know that is your personal and professional development. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting you as a facilitator in an emerging leaders program. If I recall, you were selected for that. You didn't go seek it out. Um, but Correct. but give me some give me where you are on you what I know right now is in your life you are going super hard in the paint as it relates to personal and professional development. How did you get to a place of that? Have you always been there? Is it new? Are there levels? What's that mean for you? Yeah, I think the wanting has always been there from a very, very early age. I can remember, and this is like no disrespect to my family. You know, I love y'all. But like <laughs> looking around and thinking like, y'all are tripping if y'all think that this is what life is. Like, I don't even know what life is, but I've seen a snippet of it on, you know, different television shows that, <laughs> you know, people are happy and people are not always living check to check. And they're not mm -hmm. always mad at the world because of their circumstances. Like, this ain't normal. <laughs> and so from a very early age, I was like scratching at the walls. Like, I have to get away from y'all. I have to get out. And so thinking archaically at the time, I knew like the only way to do that was education. That was my mm -hmm. thing at the time. So I was just like, I'm going to college, whatever I got to do, I'm going to save up my money and get away from y'all. And I knew that being financially stable from a, at a teenager level, <laughs> from, from that perspective, <laughs> was going to be very important to be successful in the earliest parts of like my college journey because the money just wasn't there. If I wasn't getting scholarships, the money wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of my high school years and time working. And I was always working. And people like make fun of me, like, oh, you never, you're never out. And I'm like, well, smoke a little something, drink a little something with y'all or make some money. Mm. I'm going to choose to make some money because I've seen people in my family who that, that was that their, life, that was that their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm looking at where they are now and I'm like gagging at that ever being me. So why would I, I we, we learned about cause and effect very early on. So no, it just didn't, it just. It did not make sense to me. Make that make sense and it couldn't. So I worked and I kept my grades up so I, and I went to college and I'm even new in college. Like this is a tool. I think I looked at their, everything early on as a tool. This is a tool mm. for X to get to here. And then I'm just going to keep using tools to get to wherever it is that I want to go. And while I didn't always know, and I still don't exactly what that end point is, I know that I have to keep walking towards something positive. So Fast forward to now, I kind of got caught up in life, just the day-to-day -day personal stuff, just dealing, reeling, and I kind of began to not so much lose sight, maybe lose sight of it and get comfortable where I was. You know, mm -hmm. I had a, got a decent job. I'm making good mm -hmm. money so to the point where 
I could have a little bit of fun and also pay my bills, but I still wasn't where I wanted to be, but I started to get comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. And that started to scare the crap out of me mm-hmm. because I always hear about, you know, the the 60 something, 70 year old person who looks back and like, if I only had more mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, I would literally just shrivel up and die if I got to that point. And like, so I, I had this like ever pending fear that that's what was happening to me. So when I met you, I mentioned that I felt like something inside of me was dying. And, that's and you were in tears, dying. girl. You literally. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I thought it was like some personal stuff going on. But this was just you feeling like you're complacent. Yep. Ooh, I was like, oh, she's seeing this as an emergency, which I appreciate as a person who's worked her butt off to get where she is. I appreciated yeah. the way you show, showed up. So you were, you met me, you, 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 you shared this fear. Tell me about that moment. Cause that was, ooh. It, it was everything that got me to that point that had me so emotional because literally so you said I got selected for this. So my company, they pay for so many spots or they sponsor. So they got so many spots to to, to join um, the organization. And literally before they reached out to the people that they selected spots for, they gave um, an, an invitation to just a general webinar. And when I read the title, and again, it's going back to being complacent. It was like women in leadership, boardroom, something, 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 essentially like the boss, like, right? And I was like, oh, that sounds cool, but that's not really where I'm headed right now. And so I did do the webinar. And then somebody had reached out about actually getting a spot in the program. And I was like, uh, again, read the title. And I was like, I don't think that's where I am. Probably not. Didn't even respond. So I think they had reached out again and I missed the email. Something happened that I missed the email. They reached out again, but they copied like my team was like, hey, we really want Alexis to do this. And so my AVP at the time, she was like, you know, you should really do this. And I was like, okay, I'll think about it. Didn't even read the full email because apparently there was some deadline in there that I did that I missed. <laughs> the day before the deadline, um, the person who was uh, facilitating giving the, the, the spots out DM me on Teams and was like, hey, I done reached out to you about three, four times about this. Are you, do you like, we really want you to do this. And I was like, you know what? What are you doing? And like, that was my mom. I was like, what are you doing? You are literally like that. That was that feeling that I felt like being complacent. I was like, you are squandering away opportunities, your tools, like you're squandering away your, your mm-hmm. tools. You may not know. Or that 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 title that that because um, there was like women in boardrooms I think in the title, that may not be exactly where you know that you're going, but that general direction is mm-hmm. positive, mm-hmm. and this right here is one of those tools to go in that positive direction. Why are you not leveraging it? And so I really like gave myself that kick in the butt of like you almost missed that, and so I was like I'm doing it, and then when I got there just. Okay, wait, before before you tell me about when you got there, I want to ask, because I think this is important. I was, funny, funny enough, I was just thinking this morning, when I think about the world, like most people in the world want something more for themselves, whether it's better physical health, more money, a better career, a good relationship, being a better parent, whatever it is, they want more. But in my in my years of being a leader of other organizations, being a leader of my own, being a clinician, 
being a coach of elite performers. And I see all the lives that I've encountered over the years. Sadly, what I see is the number one reason why people don't get where they want to go is themselves. People aren't willing to do what it takes and or they can't get motivated, you know, because I don't want to make it come off like I'm judging people. Um, but ultimately, I won't say they aren't willing. For whatever reason, they don't do take the steps over and over and over. You ask me in that session, how did I get to this level? And I said, we could go complex or we can go simple. The simple answer is I do what it takes every day. I've been doing what it takes every day for years. And that's how you get to levels, right? And so I want to just slow down for a minute and ask you because you described being this aspirational young person and you and and in the time that I've gotten to know you in your young life you have really been doing your thing but you're describing a moment a season of complacency so I'm just curious do you know have you assessed for yourself how did you drop into that of going from grinding and hustling and pushing to the next level to sitting here getting multiple invitations um, to be in an invitation-only program and not take it? I think because the difference in the early teenage, very early 20s grind mode Alexis and the Alexis that I was in that moment of where I was letting the opportunity slip away was life wasn't that bad. If I think about grind mm. mode Alexis, it was like, I got to get the up out of here. Mm. Like I have to go. Like I'm living in the hood, pissy elevators, fighting, screaming through the walls at night. Like I had to get out of there. Mm -hmm. um, where I was in my current life, pretty chill comfortable nothing is that bad you know like mm -hmm. if i don't god forbid if i don't do anything else with my life and this is it it's not that bad from right and it's better than life. where you started where you grew up how you grew up mm -hmm. it's better than where i much better than where i started and i think that was it i, I was just cool like it wasn't that bad and i had to get i had to find a new motivation because my motivation then was all the external, but like when the external is no longer that bad, I realized I was losing that that, that mm. motivation that I had before. And there was a difference in that type of grind and this type of grind where the, the, the external motivation is not as like screaming and blaring in my face anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm in the season of right now of finding and really grabbing onto what that new motivation is mm -hmm. so that it can fuel that discipline and that drive. Because I think mm. I'm lacking some discipline, if I'm yes. being honest. Like, yeah. and I read something about, you know, what's the difference between people who do and who don't. It's not even necessarily motivation. It might, that might start you there in the beginning, but it's the discipline that follows. Absolutely. And so I was just so motivated very early on that the discipline was like a no brainer where now I'm kind of motivated because the external isn't that bad. And, and that that's what I've always banked it on is my external mm -hmm. being so bad that I got to get out. That's mm -hmm. no longer my situation. So I have to find a new motivation that that will be my catalyst to, okay, lock yourself into the discipline because I, I definitely think I'm lacking some discipline in my life. Mm. 
girl. Ooh, I'm not even going to go there. We're just going to take that piece and put it right here on the shelf and come back for that. We might have to do a part two just to just oof, go all the way through that. So I'm going to sit that there for now. So I discipline myself and getting to what I want to get to with you. Okay. So you're, you're, you, you, you bossed out, you elevated, you got yourself up out of the struggle, right? You're living decent, got a decent job, pretty good pay. You come to this program, and what did you hear that lit you up, caused you to cry and lean all in? Because you went from, I'm chilling, to jumping in the pool with your clothes on, and you've been basking in it ever since. So what what, what was that moment? What was going on that day? What did you hear that gave you that juice, that motivation to re-up? It was the, and I can't remember word for word, but it was the remembering that everything I need is inside of me, mm. that I'm not trying to find something else. Because even the the struggle, Alexis, always knew that past the struggle, it wasn't just this, it was millionaire status. It was... Mm owning your own time. It's no one ever telling you, you got to be here at a certain time, you know, unless you make that, it's no one ever telling you, you got to be at a desk at a certain time. And it's really owning your life. I even knew that then when I got to the comfortableness that I'm in now, I kind of forgot mm -hmm. that that's who I knew I could be. Mm -hmm. And I started to become scared. And it's like, I had this conversation, a similar conversation this I started to become scared of my own roar. And there, there, there's this lion that lives inside of me, right? And I mm. felt I started to realize that I'm that scared lion on the Wizard of Oz, that like there's power inside of me, but I'm scared of the roar. So instead, I'm just out here like, me, me, me. <laughs> so like <laughs> knowing that I could be out here owning and running the jungle, but I know that there's other things that come with that. So it's like, am I, I start second guess myself am I really ready for all that because I gotta become this whole new person to do this and I have to become a lion to do this well no I have to let my lion out and I think it was the remembering that it's not becoming a lion because you're some bird you know it's not like mm -hmm. transforming from mm -hmm. a bird to a lion this this crazy leap it's just letting your roar come up out of your throat and be the lion that you know is inside of you and I don't know. It was like a fire that got stirred inside of me where I, I, it was like I wasn't roaring, but I could hear it in the back mm -hmm. of my head. Mm -hmm. And I was no longer scared of it. I was like, oh, you know, like, and so like it was just a very emotional experience. Um, and yeah, it was, was it, it was, was it a word? Was it something you saw, heard? Was it a vibe? Like, what do you think was in the moment? And I'm asking because. We may have folks who listen to this and they're looking for that opportunity to kind of re-engage themselves. So just curious if you can give detail to it at all. I think it was the vibe because there I've seen I've had so many sessions since then, but I think it was the vibe. I think it was seeing you and you gave small tidbits about like where I am is not where I started. You know, I've mm -hmm. come from the struggle. It it, it was seeing that mm -hmm. someone came from up close and personal, someone who came from the struggle, not just live, quote unquote, living their best life, but owning mm -hmm. their life, owning their path, owning their success. Um, 
I felt like I stopped owning that. And mm-hmm. I started giving that power to other people, my employer, you know, just mm-hmm. a small and easy complacent life. I started giving away that choice. And I saw you taking charge of that choice mm-hmm. in such a powerful way. Like I'm all for like powerful women. And like, mm-hmm. I know that we have to be careful with, you know, what that word really means, but like, you got this like, uh, about mm-hmm. you <laughs> that I hadn't seen up close and personal in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And seeing that it's like having your home girl beside you, like girl, do it, you know? And like, <laughs> I think I haven't had that, that person pushing me. And it's not like you were standing right beside me the whole time, but like, I, felt so good for you very early on and I felt like you were that homegirl sending them you you got this and it just all became stirred inside of me from the person who was in my DMs like you're going to this this leadership (laughs) thing to then you coming in and like you better get out here and boss yourself up because it's already in you you better turn Mm -hmm. that, that, that boss on that's inside of you all of that like compiling it just it was just a very emotional vibe and experience, I think, for me. And when I got to that point, that was the only way that I could describe what I was going through was that I felt like the roar in me was dying. And mm-hmm. when I met you and I heard your words, it was very early on into the session. We were like, we weren't even an hour I was like, into the session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, she's um, going to mess up my makeup early. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably, I think what it, if I could put it in words, quick words, it was the first time in a very long time that I heard that roar inside of me that I was no longer fearful of it. Mm, um, when I was in that struggle mode, that roar was like, I needed it because the sh- around me was actually scared. It was keeping you alive. Yeah. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. what was what I was out here fighting was like really scared that if you weren't that lion, you was about to get ate up. Yeah. Right. And so since I didn't need that anymore, that lion, it was kind of, it was kind of scary because it was hibernating. <laughs> it was hibernating. And it was like, so at the time, the roar inside of me, I needed it to fight what was around me, but I no longer te- quote unquote needed it to fight what right. was around me because what was around me wasn't scary. That lion started to scare me because it meant changing my current circumstances. Essentially uh, risk losing what you gain to go higher. Yes. I was mm. finally at a place where I was good. I might not be exactly where I want to be, but I was good for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, cause I, I've been very aware since I was a very small child. So it's been decades. You know, by the time I was 20, you know, 21, 22 years old, I was tired as hell. Cause it had been decades of like looking around me and saying, I got to get out. And I was finally out. And that lying back there was like, it might mess up your stuff. Right. Gotcha. And that was scary. Understood. But then you did the thing that I love the most because, and I recall calling everybody out in the room that day, you know, everybody asked for the PowerPoint slides that they're never going to read anymore. Everybody Mm -hmm. asked for the phone number to the person they're not even going to call. And so, um, you know, everyone who knows me knows I'm about action. You know, if you about it, be about it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you double clicked on that joint and you showed up and... If we're going to award the Joy Society year, by far, you'll have it, even though you've only been in there a few months, what you do is show up regularly and invest in yourself. So let's talk about where you are. You did your 
true success evaluation. So let's shift mm-hmm. to that. I'm yeah. curious as you completed that, just generally, what what did it make you think about? What was the experience like completing the true success evaluation? It's funny. I I'm always like a in between person, so I tried my best to stay out of the threes. It's like make a decision: either you're doing it or you're not. Because I could have had straight threes all through that oh, whole my freaking goodness. test. Um, it it made me stop and be real about where I was. Stop faking the funk that certain things are good that just aren't. Um, and they're not as good as I want them to be because by first acknowledging that they're not good, now you have to either do something about it or become complacent, which is scary as hell to me. So I'm mm-hmm. obviously going to do something about it. Um, so it, it made me definitely think about well past my career. Started, I started thinking about family and uh, my romantic life and what that really means. And less about so not to say less about it. it's not just about what it is, but why. Mm-hmm. Why's are always the who's. So <laughs> um, as I'm answering those questions, I'm thinking, okay, here's where I am, but why? And yeah, some people in external may be impacting it, but what's going on with Alexis? And I think something that you challenged with me very early on was stop trying to fix them folk around you and work on you and see how stuff falls into place. A word. Because it's yes. your journey, not theirs. <laughs> and so um, every time I get on that, like, y'all ain't, I'm like, wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1.1, three point back. So like I have just been really trying on my on my journey of just getting better to a better place of me is taking in taking in everything but evaluating it before it goes mm-hmm. before it like sets in like i hear it let me pause and analyze it is that for me or not i'm doing that a lot more because when i when i first got on this kick i was like join everything yeah yeah we had we had to slow you down as much as i love people going hard in the pain i'm like girl you're gonna foul out of the game in the first quarter (laughs) and so i wanted to like build i I thought okay i needed to build this big community around me to help lift me up so i joined joy society and then i some non-collegiate uh sisterhood sorority reached out to me so i was like oh that sounds pretty dope i can make some friends but then there was this like motherhood group and i was like oh so i paused on some of those and i was like okay chill so um because I was doing too much and it was funny like I had a moment where I was doing all these things and then I, I, I was like literally just sitting in the dark and I was like hmm I think I'm overwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like oh my god I was just like oh yeah it was like a very just like realistic moment. I was like yeah I think I think I'm a little overwhelmed this is a lot <laughs> so I did. I just, but I, I, but again, filtering. So I took it all in. But what do I need to keep? And Joy Society was definitely a keeper. But I dropped some of the other things to make space because I had to have space for my growth. So um, I've been pausing and trying to filter. I um, compared to a butterfly, right? So I'm this caterpillar. I'm trying to go into hibernation mode and go into my chrysalis and be out here like this, mm-hmm. but. To do that, you got to eat, you know, but caterpillar got to get real fat and eat all these types of leaves. Well, like I had these like categories of stuff that I was eating. I could be eating dead leaves out here that like are killing me. 
I could be eating leaves that are out here that just taste good and are fruity, but not nutritious. So they're filling me up, but they're not doing anything for me. Or I could be taking in the good stuff that's actually getting me ready for my transformation. So mm -hmm. I'm pausing and filtering on like, what's killing me? What's killing my energy? What's killing my time? What's killing my spirit? What is just fluff? And sometimes you need fluff, like everybody needs a little sugar, but like, mm -hmm. you know, too much of anything <laughs> is not good. So like, what's just fluff? And I can, I got to kind of scale that. And then what's, what's the meat, you know, what mm -hmm. is really filling me and getting me ready for my journey. And so I've really tried to pause and take that filter on everything that I come into contact with that is like going to impact me. Mm -hmm. And let me be clear. You're not getting ready for anything, ma'am. You're on the journey. You are in the transformation live and in person right now. So let's make sure, because that's one of the things that in my conversations with you in the coaching sessions in the Joy Society, that uh, you go so hard on yourself, which I can relate to because there's no one who goes harder on Elizabeth Joy than Elizabeth Joy. But that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot is how to challenge yourself to be disciplined and level up and stay the course but also to give yourself some grace and make sure that your measure, your timeline, your expectations are realistic and have space for your actual whole humanity to fit in there. So talk to me about what that journey's been like for you as you continue to find your way about what it looks like to be disciplined, what it looks like to pace yourself and maneuvering all of the mental um inner voice conversations and guilt slash excitement and all the nuances that, that happen in any one moment. I'm still working on it. So that's what we're talking about. We're, we're yeah. talking about sharing the journey, ma'am. And even in this yeah. moment, learning yeah. how to be like proudly working on it, that doesn't yeah. mean that you don't have context or insight to share while yeah. you're in route. So you're practicing live in this yes. moment of being able to be where you are, even though you're not where you're going and be good with mm -hmm. you where you are while you're except where you're going. So what are you learning? What are the challenges? What are you figuring yeah. out? <laughs> I am seeing the beauty of my life instead of the consequences of my choices. Ooh. Um, and you help put some of this, and it's funny, it's, it's stuff that like sometimes just takes people to say it two and three times to you, but like I take care of my sister. She's 16. I have a baby. Those are real life things that you know, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else, right? So like me saying yes to my sister and my baby for, with, with my time, I say no to other things mm -hmm. that, you know, I could be going hard in the paint, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. to further my career journey and, 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 and everything else at an accelerated speed, I guess. Um, and so for a very long time, I was looking at those areas of my life as consequences, where and it would make me feel bad so and you know feel bad bad energy all this good stuff then you start feeling down on yourself well is it that or do i have a beautiful daughter that i devote time to mm -hmm. is it that or do i have a sister that when she looks she's you know she said these things directly to me and she has 
you know, mental health struggles and things like that, is it better? Am I creating a bomb environment for a person to thrive Mm -hmm. and have a life-changing experience that if they didn't have, God knows where they would be. Mm -hmm. And so leaning into that and being, and seeing the beauty in that, but also still having a boundary there because I, my whole life can't be them. Yeah. But seeing the beauty in that and no longer being down on it, because all that ultimately got to was this unrealistic timeline that I had for myself, that I should be this boss millionaire by 30. I ain't saying I won't be, you never know. But <laughs> if I get to 30 and I'm not this boss millionaire, if I get to 29 and that's nowhere in, you know, the, the, the site of 365 days from then, that's okay mm-hmm. because I'm going forward. You're in and as long exactly as mm-hmm. long as I'm in route, and even if I'm looking down and I miss the GPS turn one time, as long as I reroute, mm-hmm. you know, and and keep going in a general direction of positivity of growth, then that's all I need to do. Like I don't need to do anything else. So being hard on myself, being down on myself, I don't need to do that. Um, so just pausing and being okay. But what was hard with that, like the, I think the balance and, and the back and forth that I have with that is being okay and being complacent. So mm-hmm. like the complacent is my biggest fear. So being okay is so hard for me because it's like fine. It's a very fine line and I'm trying to find out how, like where that is for me in my personal life. So yes, that that's a word. I think that's one of the skill sets we have to develop is knowing the difference between being complacent versus being content and in route, right? Because you can be good, content, happy with where you are, not as in we're closing this book, but as in I'm happy with where I am for right now at this time. So good, mm-hmm. good, good insight there. So I want to ask, and one last thing oh, I just want to add on to the, the one Last thing, it was a word that you gave me with jumping over stuff, <laughs> trying to, you know, if, if, you know, thing, you have steps, you have steps that you have to get, that you have to go through to get somewhere. I'm trying to hit step 10 before I even did step one mm-hmm. and wondering why I keep fumbling on step 10 mm-hmm. Well, because you have to get there first. You have to deal with certain things and get through certain things. And you can, it was a crazy that you said it because I've already seen it happening is what you think are 10 steps could turn into five if you deal with the, the most important thing first because other things might fall off. Right. Things that you thought you needed to actually take time and work through may just organically fall off because you worked on the most important thing first. So actioning that as well. Yes, I love it. So I wanted to ask you, I intentionally didn't allow you to uh, complete these assessments too far ahead of our time together, but I may not have given you enough time. So I own that. But so you may not have had a chance to check this out, but we designed this assessment, uh, the two part assessment with great intentionality in that the first part, we just ask you the simple question. How would you rate your level of success in said sphere? Right. And then in part two, we ask you questions about the actions you live out or not. And then it provides your score. So you had some interesting uh, differentiators, which I've yet to meet someone where part one and part two scores um, uh, perfectly align, which is why we've designed it this way. So I don't know if you were aware, but in your just simple high level answer to the question of 
where how would you rate this success fear? Interestingly, some of the ones that were rated the high rated the highest in that uh, were the lowest in the uh, comprehensive component or version of the assessment, and vice versa. Were you did you pick up on that or or no? If not, we'll talk about it. Um, I'm clicking back and forth really quick now. Romantic and spiritual. I got you. So interestingly, here's one of them. So your financial well-being was high on both. You mm-hmm. had spiritual, spiritual was in a tie with the others for the highest. And then in your comprehensive, spiritual is actually your lowest, for example. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the specific details of each score, but when you think about when you're assessing yourself, which you are doing a lot of right now because you're in the of commitment to personal and professional development. And you think about, and matter of fact, we talked about this recently in one of the coaching sessions, right? That got to be careful on how you're evaluating yourself because oftentimes you're, you, you can land in one of two places. Well, three, I guess. One, an accurate assessment. Two, an inaccurate. And then the inaccurate, it could be that you're measuring yourself in higher than you really are or you're measuring yourself lower than you really are, which is just as problematic because we want to be able to celebrate the wins and not be going hard on ourselves when we're doing well. So yeah. what are your thoughts on on that or even just the general idea of the importance of accurate assessment of yourself and definitions of success and, you know, even timelines you apply to yourself and all that good stuff? Yeah, it, I'll use the example of the the answers that, well, the difference in, in the results in, in the spiritual one, and I think it helps summarize it all, is what I think I'm doing and when I really think about the actions, what that says about what I'm doing. So like mm-hmm. if my goal, if my if my thought is that I'm a spiritual person, I'm, I'm connected to you know my spiritual well-being, but then I start asking myself questions of what do I do to connect to my spiritual well-being? And they might not align. I definitely feel like I definitely feel in tune with like, you know, I believe in God. I feel like God got me. I talk to God like on a random basis, but like the studying God, the not so much worshiping is a hard word for me, but like just the, the celebrating of what I feel that God has done in my life. Again, the, the studying of spirituality in general i don't do that mm-hmm. so like why do i actually think that my spiritual well-being is good i don't know because guess what life isn't that bad because <laughs> you know i feel like i can you know call on them and when something happens i say thank you jesus and when and, and when <laughs> and when something you know when i when i'm about to fall down something i'm like jesus you know so like <laughs> like he's like he's there and I'm connected to him but like how I'm connected to him is very just like the air that's around me it's just there mm-hmm. it, I'm not doing anything to notice the wind like I don't I, I definitely don't feel like I'm studied mm-hmm. in that area so I think when I I am the inaccurate from I'm not doing enough I know in some areas I guess because sometimes I just go too hard and because I wouldn't even say two weeks ago that I was working on myself. I had to like pause and realize, oh, I, I am 
working on mm-hmm. myself. I'm doing things. So sometimes I'm too skewed and then sometimes I'm I'm not skewed enough. So it's, not, it's a very terrible answer, but. <laughs> no, that's a real answer. And I think that's important because again, I think in listening to you, this also highlights like these assessments can be helpful, but you also have to be watchful because if you're one of those people like you are, where you tend to like be on point with, oh my God, I got to get it together because I'm not doing enough. Then if you're not careful, remember you just told us 10 minutes ago about how you had to come down on getting involved in too much stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because you were exhausted. And so let's be clear, you can be very spiritually connected without being engaged in a bunch of quote unquote activities. And so, you know, this is one of those times where we have to, we have the knowing of like the measure, right? The scientific measure to put a number on it, but we also Mm -hmm. have our knowing that we have to trust. And so Mm -hmm. you have to know when to lean into that logic knowing versus the being knowing. And I think what you're Mm -hmm. describing is that in your being, you know, that you have a strong spiritual existence and you feel healthy in that way. So I think that's one of those examples of an assessment being helpful, but you, you, we, we never want to take any assessment of any kind and have it be our truth without, without us thinking about what does this even mean? The other piece that I think is important here, and I want to caution you because I know you, so we, we're doing a podcast interview, but we also coaching at all times is that, we at I, Dr. Elizabeth Joy, and we at Joy Society don't believe in work-life balance because the concept of balance is this idea that everything is supposed to be here, right? And so mm-hmm. even as you're working on yourself per- personally and professionally, we can't be working on all the stuff at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So we might have a desire to maybe lean more in on our spiritual studies, for example. However, we're in a leadership program right now, or we're, you know, really focused on getting that hydration up and just the level of intentionality we got to apply to that prevents us from being able to effectively balance both of those. So we don't go out here and pick up 30 million goals at the same time, because we're aware that we could improve in any one area, because if you're alive, newsflash, you could improve in any of the eight spheres at any time in life, no matter how, how dope you are. Right. So... <laughs> work-life harmony, right? To say my spiritual well-being and how I sense it for myself is good. No matter what that says, could I be doing more? Sure. Do I need to be doing more right now? Nah, I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm good, right? So I'm throwing that out there for you because what you're not going to do is come to the next coaching session and tell me you went so far to the left and now you're exhausted because you're on team too much of trying to be your best self. So, yeah, Yeah. thank you for that. (laughs) So that said, um, there's there's one more question I want to ask. I think we've talked about it a lot. And as much as you're willing to share, you shared a little bit about your background, your family, where you came from. And God love we all know we love our peoples no matter how whatever their truth is. You know, I got Mm -hmm. the perfect example of. folk family blood that I've left over on over there and just send them some love and vibes long distance 
But Mm -hmm. um, what I wanted to ask you about is as you're on this journey, maneuvering work-life harmony, not balance, right? And really continuing Mm -hmm. to pursue your personal and professional development. What have you learned so far in your coaching sessions within Joy Society and or otherwise regarding how that those relationships and historical experiences are affecting how you're seeing yourself and how you're maneuvering through life for the better or for the, I don't want to say worse, but for in a way that maybe you need to be paying attention to and addressing. I think the, the first thing that I should definitely, that I've been trying to pay attention to is the comparison Mm-hmm. to where I, you know, never want to be, never want to get to and how if I'm not going hard, that's where I'm going to end up. Mm-hmm. And having to pause and be realistic in that those people and where they are and it's you know, if they're happy with their lives, they're happy with their lives, but it's never something I want for myself. Those people and where they are is a snowball of decisions that I have yet to make that I probably never will make, thought patterns that I will never have, um, values that I will never have. Um, So there's just a lot there that has no bearing on my life, that has nothing to do with me. It doesn't even apply. And so I have this like go hard, go hard notion because if you don't, you're going to end up where they are. And again, that's somewhat of a judgment, (laughs) but I try to find that balance between, but it's, it's feeling that that go hard notion. If I don't go hard, I'm going to end up where they are, but then not being realistic about the fact that there are lots of things that these people in my family have done that I will never do. Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in, even if I get down to my last penny, there are decisions that I would make mm-hmm. and thoughts that I would have and strategies that I would come up with that the two wouldn't even, they would never mm-hmm. even cross paths if we were comparing the two people. So um, it's realizing that. Um, and that's part of that. Is that not behind this whole thing of not going too hard? That That's really one of the major things that gets mm-hmm. behind that and causes you to go way too hard sometimes to where you start yeah. burning yourself out. Yeah, because it's scary. Like I because I'll go home for Thanksgiving and I go home for Christmas and stuff like that. And it's just like. This is so dysfunctional. This is like, <laughs> this is so not where I want to be right now. I'm probably not coming home next year. And so like, I just get so fearful that, and I think the very real fear is because I actually lived it. My mother, mm-hmm. we had quote unquote made it out. We were living in North Carolina when I was, when I was first long, I was born and lived in North Carolina till I was 14 and she lost her job. And from the time she lived, like in the recession time, 2008, from the time she lost her job, it was about a year later, we were living in West Virginia. And that's mm-hmm. where the pissy hallways and pissy elevators came in. And mm-hmm. I'm living in like the hood. And it was just so funny because it was like full circle. I can remember being a kid visiting West Virginia and saying like, y'all can't go over there because like, that's the hood. I ended mm-hmm. up living there one day. Mm-hmm. And so like that very like surreal experience put a very real fear in me that if I don't stay on my P's and Q's, it's literally happened, quote unquote, happened to me before it -hmm. can happen again. So a very just like panicky fear that I might end up back here one day because I, because it happened to me. 
And so, um, but even pausing and evaluating when that happened, when I was 14, what was going on with my mother from a mental perspective to a financial perspective to the finances that I thought she had that she really didn't and how quickly we spiraled and had to end up in West Virginia. And so um, putting reality to mm-hmm. some of these like feelings that I have is helping me pause a little bit and separate myself from this like, again, panicky feeling that I'm going mm-hmm. to just crash and burn and fail. Because um, <laughs> it just it just might. It, I don't think it'll, it'll really happen that way. So. Well, and this is interesting. I just want to point out for you, because I'm just hearing this and we've been in many sessions together, but I just am hearing this for the first time. You've got the same thing that's almost bookending you. So this same reality is either causing you to go hard to the point of potential burnout or be frozen and end up complacent because you don't want to lose where you are. So Mm. I'm just hearing that in this moment and want to point that out to you that you're aware of that and you're thoughtful because that's it's bookending for you. So Mm. it's not just about staying a one. It's staying away from it on both ends. And so being being conscious of the fact that this one reality is literally impacting you to either end. So it's really about being able to kind of maneuver within that that middle space to where. You don't burn out, but you also don't go over here on complacent because I can just see you kind of zigzagging between going too hard, not doing anything, going too hard, not doing anything because you're trying to maneuver. That same fear is coming up on both ends. Mm-hmm. Mm. Write, write that down. Yes. <laughs> Book ending. Underline. <laughs> Girl. All right. So as we wrap up, I have one more question for you. I'm glad yes. you're getting some jewels while while we're sharing some of these jewels with the world. When I think about what I've heard from you today, it sounds to me like your definition of success has changed and is still vacillating at times. So curious if if that is true, what, what's your definition of success today? And how has it changed, if so? I would say my definition of success is continuously striving for positivity at a realistic and self-serving pace. I love it. I know that. I know you just came up with that in the last probably two months as a result of some coaching conversations because that that was fresh. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that that is different than before is I feel like I've always up into that place of complacency. I've always continuously strived for success, but it was at a unrealistic it, it had a, a mix of unrealistic expectations and the pace was dictated um, by things I by couldn't f- control. And by fear? And by fear. Mm. Um, it was definitely dictated by fear and and to the dictate to the things I couldn't control, you know, my external factors driving that, that fear. Um, so I'm no longer, I'm on a journey to no longer let Fear dictate my decisions, fear dictate my future, and it dictate my happiness um, because I get fearful 
so I get, you know, sad about my circumstances because the fear of these circumstances will keep me from getting to where I really want to be. But that's just a fear. You know, I'm actually, I'm very happy with what I'm doing for my sister. I'm very happy with the beautiful baby that I have that brings light and joy to me every day. I'm very happy that I'm choosing to work on a relationship that will, you know, if it works out in the long run, it'll benefit, you know, my family for years to come and we can be a happy old couple with 18 grandchildren. You know, like I'm, I'm very happy that I'm working on that. Whether it looks like what I want it to look right, right, right now, hell no. But <laughs> I'm very happy that I'm choosing to work on that and not just let it, you know, slide away. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm very happy that you're evolving your definition of success. And I would also request that you add that fear is no longer gets to the point where it no longer defines and dictates your behaviors and habits, because that in that book ending scenario is really what that was all about. Fear dictating um, behaviors and habits and, and decisions that you're making, which then either has you stuck or burn out. So. Thank you so much, Alexis, uh, not only for being here today, but thank you for saying yes to you the way that you do. Thank you for leaning into yourself, showing up over and over again. I think you would agree, and this is what I tell everyone who says they want to either coach with me or do something about working on something. It's not fun at times. It's quite frankly hard at times. Mm-hmm. It, it's something you have to say yes to over and over again so that you can get those results that you had the idea to start working on yourself for in the first place. But thank you for saying yes to you over and over again. Thank you for um, not only allowing myself, but the team Lane at Joy Society to be on the journey with you. Thank you for leaning into what we've designed, knowing that when folks not only say they want to level up, but actually willing to match that with consistent ongoing actions. Real magic can happen. I think you're literally the model for that. So thank you again for, for being you, for showing up for yourself and for sharing yourself with the world. I think that there's so much you share today that folks can relate to, whether it's a business leader, a young emerging leader, or someone who's been out here for a while, still, you know, maneuvering life. So Again, thank you, and uh, we'll see you on the inside of Joy Society very soon. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for feeding the lion inside of me. <laughs> oh, okay. How do I look? I know y'all every time, right? Um, whew, man, that that's like that, we had some laughs. We had some ooh, corporate America <laughs> moments. Oh man, I just really enjoyed that that interview. You know, a couple of things. Let me just pause for my corporate peeps. If you're a corporate leader, uh, I think Alexis really tells the story of this the millennial and younger generation, which I just want to challenge us for anybody who's a little bit older and you're talking smack about the younger generations. Like, I just want to remind you, the generation before us was talking about us too, that we were this and we were that, right? And so... I think this interview really just highlights, I know, I know it's challenging. I do consulting, right? And so I do think that this, these, some of these generational differences that we're seeing, I don't know that we're giving them the respect they deserve and we're paying attention enough to the nuances of how different culture 
being ethnic culture, but also culture, because culture isn't just about race and ethnicity. Culture is a way of life, right? So culture from a generational perspective, there's some differences. And, you know, I appreciate Alexis's boldness in um, drawing some boundaries, but also I think she's a perfect example of, of what it looks like when that doesn't go too far. Because I know there's some leaders out here who are like, yeah, I mean, we all about the workplace well-being, but some of these people is just disrespectful. And yeah, you're right, some of them are, right? But I think this is a perfect example. And for, for younger folks, I think this is something you can look at to say, what's the difference between being a disruptor? Because I feel like sometimes we go so hard on that trendy word that like you might be kind of not grounded right in that. So I'm all about disruption. Again, I, I think I've shared with you all that's been my whole life, but there's a way to do that. And I think Alessis really um, exudes that. But that being said, this is the whole point. And for those of us who are a little older, I know I only look 21. I think this is also great inspiration for, you know, if for those of us who have been a, around for a while, like it was just always a certain way. You know, there, it, we, we weren't even talking about no work-life balance. And, and I don't even believe in balance. I believe in harmony, right? But many of us have just struggled to, to disrupt ourselves, to consider that, yeah, you know, um, your family shouldn't always have to suffer in the name of your work or job, right? Um, and so for to see a young person, you know, own that and be so confident in it, but again, not go too far with it. It's just like, to me, that perfect mix, um, not to say she's perfect because there are no perfect humans, but I think it's that perfect mix of, of what we hope when, when, whether it's Joy Society or, or my coaching, my keynotes, whatever I'm doing is, is it's never about those extremes. It's something in the middle, right? So when we say disrupting professionalism, uh, or archaic definitions of it, uh, or disrupting archaic definitions of success. We're saying not necessarily throw that joint in the trash, right? But let's take a look at it, see if we can trim some edges, round some stuff off, reform it a bit. And again, I think she's she's really reflecting that. But I also think uh, another great lesson from her is some of us go so hard on working hard and developing that we can exhaust ourselves. And, and Alexis is actually one of our Joy Society members. And I've had the pleasure of coaching her in that space. And many of our other coaches have reflected on just what a pleasure it is to work with her. But one of the things we work with her on is girl. Okay. Now we love a self-improvement focused kind of person, but you can't be under the surgery knife 24 seven. Sometimes you just need to bask in what you've grown in, bask in where you are, be good with where you are while you're en route to where you're going. Right. So, but that being said, you know, Alexis's story does bring up, you know, and this is why she was crying um, in that, that uh, session that I met her in was that she had gotten complacent. And I will say there's a ton of people out here who, whether it's because now you're married and you have kids and, and you're kind of just in the rut of the, you know, uh, the, the structured schedules and not feeling like you have time for yourself, or in her case, as she shared, you know, she's her life's way better than what it used to be. So there isn't that urgency to push through so she can survive. And so... This is where, when we talk about emerging leaders, and she's certainly emerging, you got to start learning how to create your own sense of urgency 
and really facilitate self-leadership. Because if you think about it, when we were kids, we were our parents told us when to eat, what to eat, when to get up, when to go to sleep, right? Then we went to school and the school said from this time to this time, you'll be in this room, from this time, to this time you eat and this when you get out, right? Then we went to college, similar system, right? There, The schedule was there, we plugged into it. Then you get a job and here are your work hours and this is how long you can take for a break. So if you think about it, most of us were really never taught self-leadership or self-discipline. And so when it comes to self-development, self-improvement, or even professional development, if you're not in somebody else's program or even getting yourself to that program, how do you facilitate that urgency in yourself? Or how do you time manage so that outside of when the boss says you got to do stuff, you got to be the boss of yourself, right? In order to get to certain levels. So for those of you who are aspiring and you might be young, you might be middle age, you might be a little bit older, but if you're aspiring for a better life, I am here to tell you, there's no way for a better life without some self-leadership. And so that requires, if you don't know how to do that, then starting with self-leadership. We do a lot of that in Joy Society. I do that in my coaching. Uh, but nonetheless, you've got to learn how to be your own boss, right? Be able to create the deadline for yourself. Be able to create the goal and the accountability. Because yeah, especially as a business owner, us business owners know, and this is a, a reason why a lot of folks don't make it. It's not because of talent alone. You got to have that leadership because guess what? When you work for yourself, you know, when you had a job and you want to call off, you can call off every day as a business owner if you want to. Of course, you won't own a business after a while of that, right? Um, but but that's, you know, that that essence of, and a lot of the work I do with business owners is this stuff because, you know, they teach you all day about the financial um, acumen you need to have to own a business and the business skill sets, marketing and, you know, all that goes on behind the scenes. But you can have all of that if you don't know how to lead yourself, you're only going to get so far, so... Hopefully, uh, Alexis's interview inspired you, has you thinking, churning those wheels a bit. Reach out to us on social media, joysociety.com, elizabethjoy.com. I want to hear what you're thinking. I have done a couple of different uh, workshops and coaching sessions on this topic of self-leadership, and it tends to really get the juices flowing. Um, and so I'd love to hear what you think. Perhaps you're kind of past that. You're living your best life. Maybe that's a, a signal for you that you know someone else who this content would truly inspire. I ask that you share it with them or maybe it's two of y'all and you can share it with them and maybe you become accountability partners. Nonetheless, we hope to connect with you in some way sometime soon. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode of Disrupting Discourse.